Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's build this business with the purpose. We were talking about restoring the Atlantic forest where the Yeromate is native to, working with indigenous communities, working with the small farmers, and really through business, making a change. Hello and welcome to Our Impact. I'm your host, Jeremy Casebeer. This show explores what our impact is, what we can do about it, and how we can help scale positive outcomes and solutions. We'll be learning from people doing strong work across nonprofits, academia, business, and sport to connect the dots and find ways we can all take action. This show is as a result of my own searching. A few years ago, I measured my carbon footprint for the first time, and I realized how my travel as a professional beach volleyball player is actually at odds with the positive impact I'm striving to have. I wanted to act, but it wasn't clear where to begin. I've made a number of changes since then, but I'm still learning more every day. I hope you find these conversations useful and that the ideas we explore might help you take action in your own life and community. My conversation day is with the co-founders of Goyaki Yerba Mate, Alex Pryor and David Carr. Since Goyaki was founded in 1996, they've had a different approach to business. They pioneered a new business model, market-driven regeneration. Most businesses don't account for the true costs or externalities of doing business, like the emissions from extraction of natural resources, manufacturing, and shipping, to name a few. Business as usual just maximizes profits at the expense of the environment and the communities they operate in. Market-driven regeneration acknowledges that there are costs of doing business, and Goyaki is working to internalize those costs. A few of the ways they're doing this is by paying above living wages to their smallholder farmers across South America, they grow the yerba mate in the shade of the rainforest without pesticides or herbicides, and they've restored over 200,000 acres of the Atlantic rainforest and put service and connection at the heart of their business. Goyaki was a founding B Corp, and they acknowledge that they're not perfect, but they're constantly looking to learn and improve the way they run their business, even if that means seeking complexity to maximize their positive social and environmental impact. I hope you enjoyed the episode. This episode is brought to you by Mir. The reason I partner with Mir is that they make beautiful products I enjoy using day-to-day and traveling, which helps me cut down on single-use plastic. I can't tell you how nice it is to have their Thermo 3D vacuum-insulated bottles keep my water ice cold the whole day when I'm at the beach training or competing. My favorites for the beach and travel are the 42-ounce wide-mouth water bottle for hydration, the 20-ounce travel tumbler for coffee, and the food canister that I pack my son's school lunches in. Aside from making awesome drinkware, they've earned B Corp, 1% for the planet, and climate neutral certifications, so you know they're taking transparent action to have a positive social and environmental impact. And if that was enough, every Mirror product sold helps fund nonprofit partners working at the intersection of communities and the environment. There's literally a giving code on every product, so you can look up Mirror's impact made possible by your support. Go to Mirror.com and use Casebeer20 to receive 20% off your order. This episode is brought to you by Rise Brewing Co. Rise makes my favorite nitro cold brew coffee and provides energy for good people to do good things. If I'm at home, I start my day with Rise's original black nitro cold brew with their oat milk, or if I'm heading to the beach to train or surf, I'll take a mocha or vanilla latte with me. The best part is that Rise is 100% USDA certified organic. The oat milk Rise makes is tasty and impactful. Farming oats uses about six times less land than farming dairy, and six times less water than farming almonds. I've been working to shift towards a plant-based diet, but I'm not perfect and it's definitely a process. Rise makes it easier for me because I can swap half and half for Rise's tasty plant-based oat milk, and I'm supporting certified organic farmers, all while enjoying delicious nitro coffee. Head to Rise Brewing Co. and use Jeremy's C15 for 15% off your order and free shipping. 
Alex and David, thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And on, let's do it. Thank you for the invite. My pleasure. So what were your guys' first experiences with Yerba Mate? Well, she should start. <laughs> well, you know, for me, it, it's part of my, my body. It's part of my culture. I was born into it. It is something that has always been part of my life. And the more I dig in, it's, it's been my guide, the, the plant spirit. And, you know, has introduced me to nature-based learning, has introduced me to friends like David, and it has introduced me to to the way of doing business differently and in harmony with nature. The plant has this amazing intelligence that I believe in, and we're just like starting to pick a few of these important topics that, that the plant has to to teach us, but it's it's all been... I think uh, a journey, a learning journey where the Yerba Mate plant has been in the center and has empowered community, it has empowered regeneration, it has empowered friendship, it has empowered diversity and has, you know, also so much more to give that, you know, we're so excited, you know, it feels like every day a new learning. And David, you were introduced to it much later in life from Alex. Can you share a little bit about that story? Yeah, well, like Alex often says, you know, Guayaquil was born from an act of love that all started with a friendship. When I, I met Alex, just when I was graduating from University of Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, and we met at a restaurant when he was waiting tables. And he invited me out to his place. He was living in a trailer on an organic farm where he was doing some studies for a, a, a landowner there. And he invited us over for a barbecue and we had a traditional parisha, you know, barbecue. And then afterwards he passed around the traditional mate gourd, which is the, you know, the, the gourd filled with the yerba, sip it through us with metal straw filter called a bobisha. And, you know, that the backstory was like, I had been someone who suffered from allergies my whole life, extreme hay fever where I had taken Benadryl or Sudafed or some kind of pharmaceutical to, to help. And I also had grew up with humidifiers. I like, suffered a lot. And I pretty much had always felt really lousy taking those drugs. And so I kind of quit cold turkey. And really the only thing that ever brought me clarity in my mind was extreme exercise, like for an extended amount of time. It could have been surfing or mountain biking or extended two-hour Ashtanga yoga. Then my head would clear and I could kind of breathe. Well, this day I drank the gourd of Alex. Within 15 minutes, I could start to breathe through my nose. And I was like, oh, what is this stuff? This is crazy. Like, and first of all, I'm looking down at the gourd. It's really green. And I was told I was allergic to everything green by like the 50 prick test on my back and then all inflamed. And so right away, I was just like, you know, I had this physiological positive effect from it. And then as Alex started telling me, about this this product and where it came from and the indigenous use of it and being a powerful rejuvenator and being revered by the indigenous people. I was just kind of like, really like amazed by it. So that's where it all started. Wow. Yeah. I remember my first time actually trying it and also was pretty blown away. I've drinking coffee in excess my entire life. And I think everyone who does that eventually comes to some sort of caffeine migraines or crash or overload the system. And the first time I tried it, like, it just felt cleaner and lighter and it was a different type of energy. What are some of the health benefits and how is it 
goyaki different than other teas and coffees? Yeah, well, I, I can speak to that first. I mean, obviously, traditionally, they used it as almost like a liquid vegetable, kind of like a wheatgrass with caffeine, and they'd survive famines from it. And they used it as a catalyst to enhance the healing powers of other herbs. Certainly, a lot of the indigenous, like the guayaki or the larger guaya, guarani, had put herbs in the water, hot and cold, and it poured that herbal water through the vessel and sipped it. So it's always been a an energizer and a catalyst for other herbs. And then I think in North America, it's had a similar effect, but more people here tend to use it for an energy replacement for something else that they're trying to drink less of in their, their life, whether it was from less coffee or energy drinks, something they felt good about putting their body but repeatedly, you know, having been involved in the marketing all of my career, it was always around like mental clarity and focus and energy and, and having like an even balanced energy. Is there, is there a daily recommended dosage? Like how many, I'm on my third or fourth cut this morning. How many are you? Uh, well, it really depends on what you're trying to get done in the day. You have a big day. Almost, you could almost <laughs> not drink too much. I mean, you could drink a lot of yerba. Eventually, if you just yeah. actually get some sleep, you'll be fine. Cause you can postpone food or sleep for a while. But, you know, I think like, most yeah. people will have, maybe they'll French press some loose in the morning, you know, and that could be between 20 and 30 grams in a press. And they might have a couple cups and maybe they'll have a, a can or a bottle in the afternoon. It's really individual depending on how sensitive you are to caffeine, yeah. how big you are, how much you weigh, how much activity. I, I think it's like any other use of something that contains caffeine. It's more about being tuned into how you're feeling, making sure you get lots of water lots of sleep, just, you know, sure. measure, having a, a measured approach to life in general. So you guys met shortly after Cal Poly or during Cal Poly, you were pretty young. How did you take this idea of Guayaki and bringing your mate to the States from an idea into reality? What questions were you focused on at the very beginning? Well, I, I was studying food science and, and the food industry wasn't exactly something that I wanted to, to get involved with because it was producing food that wasn't necessarily healthy for you, nor for the earth and soil and farmers. I, I was starting to get into a credit system because I wasn't going to the interviews of all these big, you know, food industries that were happening to campus. It was David who, who, and, and, and friends who said, you know, this is amazing, Alex. I mean, why? why don't you start a business with just selling yerba mate? And, and that's what I did, you know, it was, it was like, it was a great idea. It was a food. It was something that wasn't totally recognized in the U S and as, you know, as an alternative to coffee or it wasn't, you, know, you couldn't find it in a coffee shop. You couldn't find it anywhere. So that's when it's sort of like, you know, I got it and I was working in this farm, which David was telling you that, you know, started to work with organic crops and also how to grow the yaba mate in its natural form and with indigenous community with, with these last remnants of, of rainforest. So that's when it just like hit me and it says like, well, why not sell yaba mate in, in, in the U.S. market that's not known but with a purpose, right? Let's build this business with a purpose. We were talking about restoring the Atlantic forest where the Yerba Mate is native to working with indigenous communities, working with the small farmers, 
and really through business, making a change, right? And, and voting with your dollar and yeah. creating this, this new market that would just create awareness that you can make a change with, you know, with what you're consuming, particularly with food. So David was really the first one to say like, shit, you know, I'm on, you know, let's do this. You know, this is, this is awesome. David was also an entrepreneur. He was starting a, a computer business. So we both had that in common that we wanted to like entrepreneur. We wanted to create a business with a purpose, with a meaning and make a difference. And it seems like you guys were always aware of the interconnectedness and the opportunity to bring people together around Guayaquil and having a positive social environmental impact. How are you guys thinking about the potential for impact and eventually evolving into regeneration in the beginning in terms of supply chain, the community you can build, the way you can run your business differently? The, the Yerba Mate, it's just like constantly showing us how to do it. I don't think we invented it or you know, we figured it out. It was more, yeah. it was more like the plan teaching us, you know, because we would go to Paraguay and see, you know, how it grows in the shade and, um, you don't have to deforest the land to plant the yerba mate, right? It, it grows in this subtropical rainforest environment. Most of the plantations are like sun-grown monoculture using Roundup, but we were looking at this plant that is it's considered a sacred plant by the Guarani and it grows in the forest in with the diversity of all the other species. We started discovering these projects that were creating these plantations in the shade underneath the native rainforest. This perfect biological corridors with tapirs and jowers and birds. So it was just like, okay, let's expand this. Let's create more awareness. Huh? how to grow the yerba mate below the, the cannibal with all these small growers, you know, and indigenous communities that are living in the last remnants of forest. So the yerba mate is just this fantastic alternative for small farmers, right? If you have maybe an acre of land, you can't grow soybeans, right? And you know, it's, you're surrounded with soybeans everywhere, but the yerba mate, you can grow it and really make a difference for these small farmers right in, in these small economies by growing in the shade, increasing the biodiversity, increasing these biological corridors where the territories of these last, you know, mesofauna exists through small farmers and having an impact socially. And then at the same time, David was like, well, you know, we can, you know, at this, well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that to David, but it was, it was perfect. <laughs> it's like a great bridge. Yeah, so different than traditional agriculture where it's, mon like you said, monoculture, tearing down existing biomes and replacing it with a single crop and heavy pesticide and herbicide use. And you actually work with indigenous cultures and pay them a higher than living wage because it's fair trade certified and you have an ongoing relationship with them. So they have incentives to protect their natural environment and they don't have to, you know, jeopardize that. Yeah, but the market where David is, it was like, well, we, we need to create this awareness. I think David has, you know, a lot to share there. I think Alex is, has shared, and we all really believe in the magic of plant spirit. And I think a lot of us who are, you know, trying to live a more balanced life and connect with and have an interconnected life, we, we really rely on plant spirits. And it's all about, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of like, the movement, the paradigm we live in is a lot more about listening 
and living in balance. And that's kind of where I was at when I met Alex, you know, 26, 27 years ago. Imagine I was 25, graduated from university, not too unlike yourself, Jeremy, where I was, I was disillusioned with the, the system, like Alex, who was studying science. And I, I, I walked out of business school in my third year. And because of my finance teacher had told me there's no social or environmental costs in the gross domestic product. I'm like, what am I doing myself? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to graduate and go into business and, and make money at, at the expense of the environment or people that just didn't, you know, that wasn't who I was. So, uh, fortunately there was a foreign language program. I went to Europe for a couple of years and learned language. And when I came back, I had met, met Alex. And so of course, when he was you know, real simplistically, there's this plant or this tree, Yerbamate, that grows naturally in the rainforest. Over 95% of it's grown in the sun with chemicals in plantations. Entire countries drink it religiously, six to one over coffee. It's caffeinated, quite possibly the healthiest source of caffeine in the world, you know, and on and on and on. And my business mind, they kind of turn back on. I'm like, well, wait a minute here. And, you know, <laughs> Of course, everyone thought I was crazy. Yeah. I, you know, what are you doing? You're starting a tech company. And, you know, but I wasn't in it for the money. I wanted to have, you know, flexibility. I wanted to do something I was connected to and passionate about. And of course, because I felt so connected to the plant and so connected to Alex and everything lined up like, wow, the more we can sell, the more we can regenerate. You know, that was really the genesis of everything we could do. We didn't really know that much about what we were doing. We didn't have that many systems or processes or structures in place, but we just kind of went for it. We're like, we just got to share this stuff. And you know what people get it in their body, they're realizing. So we did that. We had a real slow growth, really over 25 years, really over like the first 15 until we launched our cans in 2010 and things started taking off because we finally got it in the right, you know, format where it was easier for people to drink it, et cetera. But all along our our passion was around, you know, sharing a product that was good for the people, good, good for the environment, good for the planet. And we felt good, you know, scaling and, and trying to have a for-profit business rather than a non-profit because for-profit businesses are often better at attracting talent and scaling. And we really feel like we need, we really felt like we needed scalable solutions. This is 25 years ago. We've been on the bleeding edge most of our career. It feels like we're more cutting edge now. But back then, obviously, we we just kind of went for it. That's rad. And in doing research for this conversation, I heard you mention that Guayaki seeks complexity. <laughs> if there's a better way of doing something in terms of product design, branding, storytelling, community, supply chain, the people you hire, you will go through that extra work to find the best way to do something in terms of the impact and the regenerative possibility from that better way of doing something. You were founding B Corp and you're closely involved with the B Corp Climate Collective. That was 10 years ago, I believe, when B Corp first was founded or even a little longer. What have you learned through that experience with B Lab and the other B Corps and how did that kind of shape your evolution towards market-driven regeneration? Well, it was really exciting to see them come into, into fruition because it was an organization that actually cared about more than a bottom line. So there was like a triple bottom line sort of institutionalized into a process where you had a score based on what you're doing. You know, and any, anything that sort of brought awareness to the multi-layered aspects of doing business was exciting. And of course, we are involved in part of it. And I think it was also confirming that we were on the right path. And it's been great to see them thrive. And I think there's over 2,000 B Corps now all in 60 countries around the world. And 
there's definitely a movement taking on and coming on and people waking up to realizing that if the human species is going to survive on the planet, we're going to have to change the ways that we're doing it. So B Corp's great. And we're, we're proud to be a member. And, and then they also have brought awareness to us on other things that we should be measuring and where we're falling short, how we could do better because you know, you're never perfect. You're always going to have to do things better and you're always going to shift things and you always have to adapt and change. And so I think it's also been like a, a sounding board or something that we can like go to and, and ask questions and they can come to us with, with ideas and suggestions as well. Yeah. And that's the cool part about the, the B Corp certification it evolves and gets more rigorous and improves year over year. You have to certify every three years and the B impact assessment is a free tool, like you said, to see where you can improve, whether that's in terms of your employees, your product design, your community outreach and programs. Well, and one thing I, I, I remember that, well, we started before cellular phones, right? And we started this business before cellular phones existed. <laughs> oh, that's right. So, so, yeah. so it was, it was, it was a time where, where, you know, a business like ours was sort of hard to define. You know, we were like this hybrid organization, not a foundation, not a business for profit. So, you know, it was, it was a di difficult for a lot of people just to to resonate with what, what were we doing? So we were like, sort of like pushing boundaries at the beginning, you know, with our, with our business model. And we truly believed in it. And we were so passionate about it that I think that little by little, it just started manifesting and people really also believed in it. And, uh, through the support of our customers, students, and, and everyone that just came along, friends and family who invested in, in the company at the beginning, you know, and, they invested from the heart. They could feel the love that this plant was giving, you know? And I think that, that the certification that B Corp gives is in comparison to the product, like organic it certifies the company, it cert certifies the organization, yeah. right? The entire organization. So it looks at the different, you know, governance, transparency, diversity, everything. And like David said, you know, that's when it, it just clicked also for us because it was a great support towards businesses like ours. And then, you know, it just like started expanding all around the world. And now it's a large community where we are buying our source or our supply from other B Corp companies as well. So, and we also sort of like this international community with a purpose, businesses that have a purpose and that have been created with a purpose. And you mentioned how you guys have been on the bleeding edge. You're always pushing boundaries. It seems like you've taken it one step further with market-driven regeneration. Can you explain a little bit about what that is and maybe the four pillars and how you're going about building the market-driven regeneration as pretty much the first people to really do this? Yeah, in, in its simplicity, market-driven regeneration is really like the more we sell, the more we can regenerate. I mean, the market is basically people buy a product. And so if, if people are going to buy a product and people buy more of it, the idea is internalizing realistic costs into our business model. One of the things that caused me to drop out of business school for those couple of years was the whole idea, of, you know, and the way that everything is run to this day is externalizing costs. I think that's changing now with the big movement, ESG, et cetera, but everything has been about externalizing costs for maximum shareholder value. <laughs> I mean, that would work fine, yeah. but, you know, we had limitless resources and we couldn't affect the planet and we didn't care about people or, but, you know, I, I think the reality is people do care about people. You know, I think there's a lot of people have extreme wealth in the world 
And they have a hard time living with that wealth on some deep level because they know a lot of people are marginalized by the wealth that's been created. And so I think a more just and humane society is going to be one where we internalize the true cost of doing business. If you're going to like extract from the earth, et cetera, well, there's a, there's a cost from that. And so with market-driven regeneration, the idea is trying to have as many of these costs internalized into the structure, whether it's water use or shipping or production of your product. And, and we have a long way to go. We're just looking at it through that lens and trying to be realistic about what kind of impact we're having, you know, because we, we do have an impact as we scale our product. In the end, we're hoping to do more good than bad. And it's not an easy, you know, equation, but it's like anything, any relationship with yourself or your partner, kid, like you need to have the awareness. You need to have, you need to be asking the right questions. You need to be a kind of eyes wide open. It's not just like I'm one way at my professional life and I'm another way at my personal life. We're completely split. Like yeah. that's not what we believe. And that's actually not how it's true. And I think a lot of the sicknesses that people experience are very emotional sicknesses. <laughs> And then our society, you know, also on top of all the chemicals that are ingested or spread around. And so I think if we're going to have a healthier society, we need to really need to look at or the way we do business in the world. And it's, it's, it used to be a simple barter. Like, here's my vegetables. You give me some, I'll give you some. And we like trade some crops and trade some animals. Well, things have really kind of gone overdrive, you know, everywhere. And it's just been like balls to the wall profit at all costs. And now we're kind of in the situation where we're having political crisis, uh, uh, you know, health crisis, climate crisis. Well, you know, we're definitely out of balance. And a lot of it is because of the way our economic system measures things. A hundred percent. This show is the outcome of my own searching and basically the premise is what is our impact? What can we do about it? And how can we help scale positive outcomes and solutions? And that's definitely seems like some of the questions that you guys are focused on. And when I first came across Drawdown five or six years ago, a book in, written by Paul Hawken in collaboration with hundreds of the world's best scientists, that really opened my eyes to some of the solutions that are at hand. And he recently came out with book Regeneration. He, the very first sentence, he just puts it so simply and he defines regeneration as putting life at the center of every action and decision. And then he goes on to say, nature never makes a mistake. We do. The earth will come back to life no matter what. Nation, peoples, and cultures may not. If putting the future or life at the heart of everything we do is not central to our purpose and destiny, then why are we here? And I think regeneration is the cutting edge. And the more I hear and learn about it, there's just so many better ways to do things. And you guys are exploring those actively and basically setting an example of what can be done. Can you talk a little bit about how you always maintained control of your distribution so you could do that in a way that aligns with Waiaki's values and then also your hiring process? Yeah, well, first I'll say Paul's brilliant. That's a really great way to express it. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> props to him because he's just been on the path for so long and he's been, you know, a hero of ours. It's just so great that he's out there putting in all the words. He's so eloquent. For us, you know, that I think we referring to in our distribution in terms of distributing our own product, you know, we're distributing like about two thirds of our own product. Really, that was a decision we made to be closer to our customer, which means like the store and really having more stewardship from seed to shelf. We're working with the growers to grow the product and then we're importing and we're selling and we're marketing. There was always this kind of gap between us and the end customer. You didn't really always know 
how it went. And there's a lot too. We're still trying to figure it out. It's a complex process. We're not that good at it. We're getting better at it. And, you know, the same thing with hiring. People obviously care a lot about building the right teams and having the right culture. So we have our JEDI program, which you've probably heard about, Justice, Equality, Diversity, Inclusion, and how to, you know, implement that and integrate it into all of our hiring practices across the organization. Again, we need, we're doing it. We need to get better at it. But it's the lens through which we're looking at things. And I think in, in, I think that's part of the regenerative paradigm for us. We don't know our own blind spots and we don't actually know that we're doing something bad until sometimes it's like pointed out to us. And so then we have directive action. And so it's just yeah. kind of like a learning environment. And that also makes business more fun. It makes business more of an art. It's not a black and white thing. It's art. It's complex. Yeah. It's people. It's human relationships. That's everything in life. Yeah, Nothing so is it's, black it's, and white. It's great. Yeah. That's what makes it still energizing and exciting for us. This episode is brought to you by Caldera Lab. Caldera Lab is a certified B Corp. It makes high-performance skincare by combining pharmaceutical-grade science with nature's most potent ingredients. Finally, a skincare routine that uses non-toxic, sustainable ingredients and actually works. In high school, I got a nasty sunburn that literally burnt the pigment out of my skin and left me with a surprisingly symmetrical two-tone mustache that led to my nickname, The Lorax. I've been playing beach volleyball professionally for over a decade, using sunscreen every day, and have spent more time in the sun than I care to think about. I can't tell you how damn happy I am to have a simple and effective daily routine to leave my skin feeling healthy and help offset all the exposure and damage that can come with playing beach volleyball. I use their three-product regimen daily. The Clean Slate is a balancing cleanser I use in the shower. The base layer is a light moisturizer I use every morning. And the good is an antioxidant-packed face serum I put on before bed every night. The regimen is backed by a clinical trial with real people and 100% of participants reported healthier-looking skin. So I'm not alone when I say this stuff actually works. I love Caldera Lab's mission and products, so I want to share a special discount of 20% off for our impact listeners. Go to calderalab.com slash casebeer or use the discount code casebeer at checkout. That's C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B dot com slash casebeer. So you mentioned, you know, this is obviously a process. You're constantly learning. What are some of the questions you keep coming back to? Your whole mission and purpose is around come to life. And that's at the heart of regeneration. What kind of questions are you asking yourselves? And how do you think that applies to other companies and people in their daily lives? Come to life was what we landed on as our, our grand mantra. Because really for us, it was the invitation to the regenerative movement. It was our invitation to the regenerative movement. Like we're doing what we're doing and we're sort of inviting people to come to life and bring our principles into their own life and, and they can support what we're doing simply by buying a product. But hopefully in buying a product, they look deeper into what we're doing as a company and maybe asking themselves their own questions like what, what else can they do in their own life? their own paradigm to uh, impact change and really make a difference and, you know, vote with their dollar, feel good about having their personal or professional aligned, et cetera. Alex, any thoughts on that? Yeah. And, and it's our vision, you know, it's to inspire us all to come to life. David has clearly found the, the perfect words to communicate. What's the purpose of Waikiki? you know? Is it to become the biggest Sierra Mate company in the planet? Is it to become the biggest beverage company in, in the planet? Or is it, you know, is it a regenerative business to inspire others to find, you know, in their community, in, in their lives, to awaken and, and know that they have the, the power and the energy to regenerate 
life in, in their ecosystems and in their community. Because sort of like this concept of interdependence, where I exist because you exist, you know, and in this planet, it's, it's getting more obvious, you know, with the butterfly effect and, you know, these concepts that, that we depend on the flying rivers of the Amazon for the rainwater that falls in the Atlantic forest where the Yeramat is being regenerated in its own ecosystem. So, you know, all these things we're learning, but we, we didn't know even just a few years ago about it. And um, we're learning so much and so fast and we're all needing to just like sort of find the meaning, you know, in our lives. You know? And I think that inspiring everyone to come to life is just such a clear message, you know, because everyone will be able to find its purpose, you know, and we, we have through the Yerba plant and um, many others can, can find it, you know, through, through other plants or through other people and through other examples, you know, and, and find inspiration and really go out there and put it into practice, you know, because everything that you buy, everything that you do, even that looks such a small scale to, you know, to all the people that live in this planet, it makes a difference, you know, really ends up making yeah. a difference. And you're talking about the, the message come to life and sharing that story. And obviously 25 years ago, I imagine trying to share Yerba Mate and educate the, the people you're selling it to was a process figuring out the best way to do that. And you guys have always taken a semi non-traditional approach to storytelling and media and content. And it seems like you're really ramping that up, telling meaningful, authentic stories that share that message come to life. Can you share a little bit about Come to Life Films and how you're approaching building community and sharing your message? Yeah, well, the origin of, of Come to Life productions and media was all around doing more storytelling. We had done a lot of storytelling one-on-one, but it, we wanted to really share the stories of other people that had been embarking on similar journeys like us, but didn't have the support because we didn't have the support when we started and it, it was always hard to get any money for anything. And so when there were people doing things that we thought were really admirable and were part of the regenerative movement, we would profile them as a come to life film, for example. And so that was, that's what we were doing. It, We'll likely do more of over time, but it was really just to help people along and build that, build that story. Cause you know, there's, there's so much news out there, you know, we wanted to contribute some media that we felt was part of the movement. And, and I will add something there that it's brilliant that I think, um, David also was really the, the inspiration to this and it's to celebrate life, right? It brings people together, you know, and the art, the music. We have worked with Playing for Change, for example, where their mantra is, is music unites, you know. People who could have a very different lens of how to look at life, but music brings them together, you know, and as a common tribe in, in this earth. But really, I think through art, through music, through film, and supporting this, the purpose is to, of course, celebrate and inspire community, but also to find a purpose and to unite people, you know, and see that have a lot more in yeah. common than, you know, than the differences that we are used to, you know, identifying. So that to me, 
it's something that it's incredibly, how many companies invest in music, in culture? Not too many. Usually there are more nonprofits. Very few. Yeah. But here in the arts, in, in, you know, this is such a treasure, you know, so valuable. And with Guayaki, we, we hope we could continue celebrating the arts and the culture. Yeah. I love how it's a story and message of possibility. It shows what people are doing in their own lives, the context that they're living in, the way that they're taking action and what their purpose is. And I think a big problem with a lot of the messaging around environmental action or sustainability is it's so doom and gloom. It's talking about how screwed we are, which obviously we're in a very difficult spot, but there's so little attention on solutions and the way that businesses and people in their own lives can take action. Highlighting those people that you've done with Come to Life Productions can, who knows the ripple effect that can come from there. I remember six or seven years ago, I saw Jack Johnson at the Santa Barbara Bowl and I saw how he had a, a sustainable rider for his concert. There's no plastic cups. They source food locally. They use biodiesel generators. I was like, man, this is amazing. This is so cool. We should do this at beach volleyball tournaments. And it's been like a very long process to try and get that going. But just one little story, yeah. one little anecdote can totally shift someone's perspective. And then who knows where it can ripple out from there. So I'm really excited to see how Come to Life Productions grows. Yeah. I mean, another thing too, like we've always been guided by the plant. And when Alex first shared, Yerno Monte with me and then we shared with everyone else, we always were passing the gourd around or preparing something for someone. So Yerno Monte has been like the symbol of hospitality and connection and service. And so one of yeah. our mantras is really connection and service. And if you think about it, like a lot of our society benefits from the people who are really there connecting and serving. And they're generally, they're in our hospitals or they're educating our children or they're growing our food and, and they're not really high income generating jobs and for the most part, but it's like what makes the world go around and all these people taking care of us and making things available for us. You know, we were fortunate to be able to serve and connect as well. It's a very, it's a very humble thing to like serve someone a cup of mate. But the ripple effects that yeah. it has of like, it was like an honor and a privilege really to be able to serve someone a cup. And then in that service, there's the ability to do the storytelling. So everything we've done has just come from that. It just might be amplified by some magnitude, but we're still doing the same thing we always did, which we try to connect with people. We want to serve them. Now we want to storytell what we actually are doing so that it might inspire someone to come to life. I love it. I love it. All right. Are you guys ready for the quick hitters, which I've only done with one person so far. So two people, I'll let you guys just flip flop and take turns or build off each other. And if any of them don't land, no worries. <laughs> we can just move on. First of all, where are you guys and where is your go-to spot to get into nature where you are? Well, I'm in British Columbia on an island called Salt Spring Island off the coast of Vancouver. And so I, my, I'm either out uh, on my vessel sailing on the water or mountain biking through the mountains. Doesn't sound too shabby. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> and Alex, where are you? Well, I, I get to be in the Yeromate rainforest, you know, and, and there with, with the tapirs and jaguars and toucans and in, <sighs> in that amazing inspiring environment next to the Wasu River and between the Pampas where, you know, I ride the horses with my 
daughters and which they're, they become unicorns. Yeah. And, um, and one becomes one with a horse and with the earth and with the universe. So that's my, my connection. Oh man. Just a quick side note. So I live half the year in Brazil normally, and my wife and her whole family is from Rio and I've gotten to go into the rainforest there, but it's very close to the city. I can literally go to the beach in the morning and have lunch and walk to the neighborhood waterfall. And it's my dream to actually go deep into the forest and where it sounds like where you are. And the fact that you guys are doing so much work to not just protect, work with indigenous cultures and reforest, but you're literally protecting a large swath of it for future generations. I have a five-year-old son and the fact that you guys are doing the work you're doing and giving him the ability to visit when he's a little bit older and can really appreciate it is pretty damn cool. Where do you guys get your information? Are there any magazines, websites, or authors you read regularly? Any podcasts or newsletters you subscribe to? Daniel Wall would be one source of inspiration. There is a book called Designing Regenerative Cultures that I highly recommend. And it's sort of a compilation of the last 25 years of the regenerative movement. It's, it's, it's really condensed and there's a lot of mentions and offers and their references. It's, it's fantastic. That's my recommendation. Awesome. I'll add it to my list. Yeah. But I mostly get my information through, through people, you know, sometimes through the news, but the news you never know. And so because I travel around so much and have a lot of connections, I, I like getting my information through people firsthand. Well, there's all kinds of good books yeah. as well, but, um, you know, not in particular that I would recommend over others are so many good ones. What are you guys most curious about right now? Are there any questions you keep coming back to? I ask, I ask question every, practically this question every day. And is, um, what is your dream? David, any that you keep coming back to or any kind of ideas that you're optimistic or currently thinking a lot about? I have two boys myself and I think about what type of world we are creating for the next generations and what's our legacy and. I, you know, I, I live with so much privilege, you know, and with privilege comes responsibility. I take it seriously and just always trying to figure out like what more I could do to, to be of service so that other people have opportunities like I did. Is there anything you wish you knew sooner while you guys were building Guayaki or if you were to hypothetically start over in your career, is there anything that you would do differently? I would have just hugged more of this guy who was here talking to us and you know <laughs> tell them more often that i love him yeah well he took the words out of my belt balance yeah you know we've been really blessed because we have such a long friendship it's like we're soul brothers we vacation together with all of our other partners we're super close with one being my brother steven chris bill miguel and we've we won the lottery because it doesn't matter how long how short how big how small it's all the times an illusion you know, you, you just want to have right livelihood. And, and I feel like we, there's nothing I'd change, you know, and what, you know, I've, I would always counsel everyone to, to follow their passions, try to live a integrated life and balance with themselves and the people around them and have self-awareness, take personal responsibility and be accountable, you know, and then live and live well and take care of yourself and be kind. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And Really excited to see what's next with Guayaki and hopefully how market-driven regeneration starts to scale and 
come to Life Productions and all the rest. So I really appreciate it. Thank you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Senor. Un placer. Valeu. Valeu, Salud a la vida. Hey, this is Jeremy again. Thanks for listening to another episode of Our Impact. I hope you found this conversation useful and interesting. If you have any feedback about this episode, suggestions for future guests or topics, please leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.